Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're and bringing content Jesus to make starts known off the Sermon on the Mount. So let's go ahead and jump right and he in. He is to this talking last about Sunday blessing sermon. in a very different way than what I grew up in church talking about blessing, okay? Like the word blessing when Jesus says, Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. When Jesus is talking about the word blessed here, it actually translates into a Greek word that's that's makarios. Everybody say makarios. Makarios. Okay, there's a couple Greek words that are going to happen today, okay? Like, if you didn't know, you're in a church that's the name of, uh, that's kalos, which is a Greek word that means beautiful. And so makarios literally means lucky or literally means congratulations. So, like, here Jesus is saying lucky and congratulations to a very bizarre group of people. The poor, the meek, the hungry, the thirsty. What in the world is going on? And it's even kind of like congratulations, you know, like sometimes... You know, we're like kind of being sarcastic and we're like, hey, congratulations. Like you have the car and the house and the life I wish I had. You know, it's like that. It's kind of still kind of like that. Congratulations, you know, like lucky are you, blessed are you, congratulations. And so today I want to talk about this. I want to look at why Jesus is saying blessed in this way to this bizarre group of people in this bizarre way. And so we pick up with our third beatitude, Matthew chapter five, verse one. Jesus is, is sharing the first be- of the Beatitudes, says this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And verse 5, which is what we're talking about today, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. No, I think it's really important that we stop for a second and we define the word meek because I had a lot of different associations to the word meek that weren't actually what Jesus is talking about when he talks about meek in the scriptures, in the beatitude. Meek, actually in this uh, particular scripture that Jesus is talking about, it actually is another Greek word that, that is called praus. Everybody say praus. This audience participation thing is working today. This is working out for us. So prouse. What prouse means is this. This is how I want you to think about this meek and prouse. It means it's like when you, when you see a wild stallion, a giant, big, wild horse that's like out of control and bucking its head and kind of going crazy. When this wild stallion comes under the submission of its trainer or its owner and begins to control its strength because it's under the submission of its trainer, that is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about being meek in this scripture. The, the, the horse becomes so meek that a little child, like my little three-year-old daughter, could go up to it and, and feed the horse uh, out, of, out of her hands, and the, the horse would just eat out of, out of his mouth in, his, in her hands. And this is what Jesus means. The, the, the horse is still strong. It didn't just become weak. Yeah. The horse is still strong. Yeah. But it, 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 it is what it means to be submitted under its leadership and its lordship and its trainer yeah. to become meek. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is what Jesus is talking about. You know, I <clears throat> like to think of myself as a strong, independent, four foot ten yeah. pastor, you know. <laughs> Thank you. That's not really what, but anyway, thank you. Um, I like to, I like to think of myself like that. And you know, being meek is not like my favorite thing. 
Okay, like, I don't, I don't like to put my meek foot forward, right? Like, I like to put my strong foot forward. My, I'm loud, if you didn't know. Like, I like to be confident, you know, all those things. But, so when I think about meek, it's not something that I get really excited about. In fact, meek, what I thought about before I did all of this study this week is I thought about my parents' former dog, okay? We grew up in the country, and all of our dogs were outside. They were big dogs, and my parents never let animals in the house. Anybody else have parents? No animals in the house? I feel like things have changed over the years, but I see, I see you, Reina. I see some of you. Sandra, thank you. And so um, my parents never did. Well, when my baby brother graduated from high school and was going to college and he left the house, my parents were empty nesting. And guess what they did? They got a dog inside because they needed that comfort because all their kids were out of the house. And so they got this dog. Well, they were told by the vet that the dog that they, are get- that they were getting was going to be part masti- mastiff and part retriever. So like giant dog, kind of like the horse that I was talking about, okay? Like this giant dog. Well, in actuality, the horse, or the, not the horse, the dog that they actually got, it was actually a corgi that looked like a wiener dog. So it was this small little little dog. And I tell you what, they thought, since they thought they were getting a big dog, do you know what they named? They named it Samson. Yeah. <laughs> and so they get this little wiener dog and they decided to keep its name Samson and we laughed at them. And we were like, you need to change the dog's name. But this is what would happen. This dog, oh my gosh, when you approach this dog, it would get so scared that it would fall on its back and it would like flap its arms and legs and then it would literally pee into its mouth. It was like the ultimate submission, this dog. And it was just really disgusting. And I just, you know, no offense to those of you that have dogs. Like, I I don't think all dogs are stupid. This dog was stupid. It was a stupid, weird dog, a little dog thing. And my husband and I, we could not go home and call it Samson. We just called it Wiener whenever we got home. My parents did not love that. But we just couldn't call it Samson. But this is what I thought about when I thought about meekness, right? We often think meekness means weakness. We are a different, uh, we like to, to say that nobody can stand in our way. We like to be, be people who get things done. We like things our way, when we want it, who we want it from. It doesn't matter, get out of the way. We like to be people who say things like, the world gets out of the way for people who know what they want. You know, we love to celebrate and lift up influencers and people with power. It doesn't matter if they're jerks or not. We just love to celebrate that. We love to live in a culture that is really completely opposite of meek in some of these ways. For many of us, we're like, we don't want to be pushovers. We like to grab the bull by the horns. You know, we're hyper, hyper focused on successism and a linear path to success. We have a really hard time when things don't go according to that plan, right? This is kind of how we operate, and and our culture is full of the opposite of meekness. And I think we as Christians and we as followers of Jesus, we've bought into that a little bit. And we have to be really careful. There's a story in the scriptures that depicts what it means to be meek so beautifully. And this is really crazy. Now, I want you to watch what happens. Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount, his great sermon, and he's walking away. And a man with leprosy walks up to him and says, Jesus, I have leprosy. Would you heal me? And do you realize that Jesus in this moment gets to do exactly what he just preached? 
And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of heaven. And so what does he do after he's just preached this whole word? He wasn't just all words. He wasn't all talk. Jesus literally heals this man. The kingdom of heaven is yours. And he demonstrates what it means to heal this man and what it means for the kingdom of heaven to enter into this man's life, right? This is so cool. The next thing that happens is a Roman centurion, which we're going to study today, walks up to him and says, Jesus, there is a servant at my house right now who is paralyzed and sick, and he is dying. He's literally dying as I speak. Jesus, would you come to my house, and would you, would you heal him? And we're going to get into that. But Jesus has an opportunity, the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so Jesus, here he gets to comfort this Roman centurion. And then, in the midst of all this, the Roman centurion comes to him in a way that is meek. And we're going to see that in a second. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want you to see how he does this. Matthew 8, verse 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my younger servant lies in bed, paralyzed, and is in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if they say to, to my slaves, if I say to my slaves, do this, they will do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. During, turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened and the young servant was healed that same hour. Isn't that incredible? The Roman centurion does something that we never see Romans do in this age. And that is that he humbled himself and he became meek. What we have to understand is Rome, the Roman government, was occupying this whole land from what we know today from Britain all the way to India. Romans were oppressing the people in this whole land. Caesar was a dictator. Caesar was the Roman government over this time. And so this guy was not just a part of the Roman military. He was an officer under Rome, under the Roman government. And so this is really crazy to see this Roman centurion acting the way that he did. Do you realize that this conversation could have gone very differently? This Roman centurion could have been a complete jerk to Jesus. And he would have been sort of entitled to it. He could have said, hey, you know what, Jesus, I'm a Roman, you are a Jew, I need you to come to my house right now, you don't have a choice, I'm going to force you, I could arrest you, get over to my house and heal my guy. He could have said, you know what, I am the elite, we are in charge here, not you, Jesus. We know you claim to be the Messiah, but we are in charge, so you need to come over and, and heal my guy. Do you realize how different this conversation could have gone? This Roman centurion could have used his position, his power, his place, the authority he had been given by the government to say to Jesus, you will come. This is not up to you. But Jesus, but the Roman centurion 
did something very different. He humbled himself. He wasn't entitled. He, he went to Jesus. He said, Jesus, uh, would you heal this guy, my servant? He's dying. He's paralyzed. But I, I know that you are so powerful, that you are who you say that you are so much, that I know that if right now, you and I standing here, if you said be healed, my guy could be healed, and you would never even have to walk into my house. The Roman, this Roman centurion knew the power of Jesus. And he revered Jesus. So today, I want to talk about what it looks like. What does it really mean to be meek? Because meek is not weak. Amen? Amen. So number one today, the meek don't get what they deserve. Now, it's important to understand the audience that Jesus is talking to in the Sermon on the Mount, okay? So he's on the Sermon on the Mount. There's all these people. Do you want to know who those people are? Well, some of them were religious Jews. They were the people who knew the Torah. They knew the scriptures. They were going to be the people who called you out if you spoke something out of context or said something, quoted a scripture wrong. There were the Jews who had walked away from religion and walked away from Christianity and looked at as sinners. How many of you have friends you know have walked away from Christianity, walked away from Jesus? There were also people in the crowd uh, that were Gentiles. There were people who were Greeks. There were people who were sophisticated and educated, and they were the ones who had their act together. They were the people that were also in the crowd. And then there were also Romans, like we see in the scripture. Romans who were all over oppressing people, taxing people, taking advantage of the poor, taking advantage of people who had no means to give taxes. There were Romans all around, people who were scared of them. And Jesus is talking to all of these people. But what we have to understand is Jesus was not talking to them to tell them to become Jewish. He was telling all these different kind of people, all of them, how to be human. This is how to be human. This is not just good advice I'm giving you. This is good news for the poor and for the mourning and for the grieving and for the meek and for the hungry. Do you realize that if you were somebody in that audience experiencing some of those things, you were just about to get the greatest news of your life? Amen. This is who the audience was. This, and some of them were like, oh, wait a minute. I am educated. This is not how the world works. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, do you realize that the people that were, that were in the audience in that moment, <clears throat> what they, I believe, probably interpreted about what Jesus was saying about inheriting the earth is they just heard Jesus say that he was going to give them their land back. Because the Romans, you got to remember, by force, by militant, militant force, took all of this land, owned it, took it from them. And they just heard Jesus say, oh, he's going to give us back our land. But what was confusing to them is they were like, wait a minute, the meek will inherit the earth? No, 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 no. Jesus, you've got to be messing up here somewhere because we have already seen that it's the Romans who by aggressive, violent, militant force, they have the land. They are in control. They have, so you're how can the meek possibly have that? So this was a completely different thinking and perspective Jesus was introducing. And today I want you to answer this question. Who has the earth for us today? Who do we think has it? In our society, in our world right now, well, I think that we kind of see corporations that have, have owned and control the earth, politicians, dictators. We see Putin right now by militant force trying to seize the nation of Ukraine. These are the people, these are the guys who get the, inherit the earth, who get the earth, who have the control. 
And we would not describe these people, rich people, people that are well, we would not describe these people who are in control, we would not describe them as meek, would we? So Jesus is talking to us, and he, he, he is telling us to look at the heart and the meekness of this Roman centurion. Jesus, I am not worthy, he says. I am not worthy that you would walk into my house. He probably had a nice house. He's a Roman centurion. But I'm not worthy to have you walk into my house. You know, I think most of us, if I'm honest, this is where I said this gets a little bit heavy for us today. I think most of us would have approached Jesus a little bit differently. We kind of approach people differently. We probably would have been like, hey, you know what? My needs are the most important needs that need to be met right now. My urgency needs to become your emergency. Nobody get in my way. I deserve this. I have worked hard for this. Everybody stand down. I am on the top. We puff ourselves up. We are the ones who just fight. Even in America right now, we see in the American Christian church, we spend a lot of time not in meekness, fighting for our rights, fighting for what we think we deserve, fighting for what we think is what's best for us. And if I'm honest, I hate to use this word, but I think we're a little bit entitled. I think we have to be honest about that. We have to let the Spirit of God begin to work in our entitlement. You know, I uh, sometimes can be somebody who can be incredibly forceful about getting things the way that I, getting things done the way I want them. Okay, I'm a mom. So, like, I'm bossy, and I like to see things happen in a certain way. Sometimes I can be a Karen. Anybody else out there can be a Karen. We can all be Karens, okay? Let's be honest. So, let's put this, let's put this meme up here. There she is, Karen. When we like to get things done and they don't happen, what do we do? I want to talk to the manager, right? So, I got a few of some Karen quotes from the great internet this week. Karen takes the kids to the haunted house and then yells at the actors for traumatizing her children. (laughs) Karen says, I'd like to speak to the police and the manager. Wait, just let me talk to the police manager. (laughs) A large group of Karens is called a homeowner's association. (laughs) Having kids is fun because instead of going out on Friday night, we're stuck in the pickup line at school eating Twizzlers and shouting, That's not how you merge, Karen! I know what it's like to be in that pickup line. Any other parents out there, you know what that's like. The centurion did not use his position or his power or his influence to get Jesus, to get anyone to do what he wanted them to do. He did want something. He even wanted it for someone else. And sometimes we think it's okay to be jerks, because we're trying to fight for something good. This Roman centurion was fighting for something good, but he was meek. And he said, I'm not worthy, Jesus, for you to walk into my house. Do you realize, I want you to hear this. The centurion knew. One of the other reasons I think he said, I'm not worthy of you coming into my home, is that he knew that the religious people, the Pharisees, would think, back in that time, they would think that if Jesus walked into this Roman centurion's house, it would violate Jesus. It would defile him. And so he was even be considerate of that. He was even be considerate of the fact that the religious people, the Christian people, would have thought that at the time. Isn't that amazing? Talk about meekness. 
The Romans, in turn, was clearly not operating under the Roman superpower paradigm. I want to read this quote to you by Brian Zahn. There is a besettling paranoia that plagues the superpower mentality, and it is most often manifest in an anxious obsession with security. Anxiety over security is the price the aggressive pay for clawing their way to the top. They are fated to live in constant dread that someone will take away their position of privilege. They worry about who might be hot on their heels, but Jesus, endorsing the psalmist, Psalm 37 also talks about inheriting the earth, says there is another way, a way that is blessed and peaceful, the way of radical trust. The meek were not the driven, self-assertive, hyper-aggressive, grab my piece of the pie people. They were not the winners and the go-getters, the movers and the shakers, the large and in charge. The meek were the ones who believe in God and are willing to trust God for their portion and for their security. The way of violence and aggression is the way of Caesar. The way of meekness and trust is the way of Christ. And they are in contradiction to one another. Listen, church, the meek will inherit the earth because of the unmerited grace of God and nothing else. You don't earn it. You don't work hard enough for it. The meek don't deserve it. Many of what we think they don't deserve. You know, I, I think the last few years of church planting, one of the things that I have learned the most is that it does not matter how right or righteous or how obedient I am. Listen, it doesn't matter that I'm a pastor trying to help people know God. I am not entitled to anything that God has to offer me. Do you realize that there is not more work that I could do to get the unmerited love and affection of Jesus that he's already given me? And we act like we deserve it. We look at Christianity like we can earn more of God's favor on our lives. This is a huge misconception. I follow Jesus and then my life will be good. This is what I used to think. If I do the right things, if I follow the Bible, my life will be blessed. But it was not the blessed in the Sermon on the Mount. It was blessed meaning all my needs will be taken care of. I will have enough money. I will have enough food to eat. I will never walk through anything painful. My children will be healthy. This is what I grew up thinking as a Christian. But this is wrong. And you know what happened? When things and painful situations happened in my life, it exposed my very terrible theology on suffering. When my dad died six months before we planted Kalo's church, I looked at God and I was like, really? I'm going to be planting Kalo's church and be in grief from an immediate family member for the first year? I followed you here to Seattle. God, this is what you wanted. This is how you're going to repay me? It wasn't even a year later that we got the diagnosis of autism for my son. Many of, many of you know that. And you guys, I was so suffering so deeply. And I looked at God, and I didn't mean to be entitled, but I looked at God and I said, we deserve better than this. We gave our life to you. We're out here doing this. I mean, I was, it was ugly. Now, I'm not telling you right now that you can't share your ugly with God. I did. And he can handle it. You can tell him all the things. You can tell him how yucky you feel and how unfair it feels. And you can tell him all of that. But you have to understand that God has already given you the greatest love that you will ever know. And he is not holding any of that back. 
You can't earn any more of it. If you're somebody here and you say, and you've ever found yourself saying, uh, I did everything right. Why am I going through this? How many of you have said that? I did everything right. How could I possibly going through this? Listen, if that's you and you're asking that question right now, can I challenge you to change your theology on suffering? Because do you realize of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was saying to those of us who are suffering and grieving and hungry and meek and tired, he was saying the kingdom of heaven is yours. Here you are looking at me saying, God, you've abandoned me and you've left me. That's not it at all. We've missed it. This kingdom is an upside down kingdom from our culture. And if we're sitting here responding the way that I responded to my suffering, most likely your theology has been way too impacted by our culture. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I think sometimes we think that life is a formula, right? This is kind of how I think we as Westerners think. If I do this plus this, it will equal this outcome. How many of you know God will not succumb to that formula? It's not a formula. And I learned that the hard way. And I just want to tell you, especially those of you that are just giving your lives to Jesus for the very first time, you didn't sign up for a perfect life. But you, what you signed up for, surrendering your life to Jesus, means that his love and his affection is so strong for you. And when you go through suffering, when you go through pain, he will be with you. He will see you through to the other side. That is what I have understood, that everything, I am here today by the unmerited grace of God. And this is what the Roman centurion understood. You know, I think that we struggle. We think the kingdom of heaven is for those who deserve it, right? It was going to be the, 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 the financially stable that educated, it was going to be those people who, who inherited the, king, the earth. But you know what? We have to realize that Jesus is talking to those who haven't earned it. They haven't worked hard enough for it. God is not interested in the self-sufficient. Do you realize that we pity people who are poor and weak and struggling? We look at them and we say, if you would only work harder. We look at those people and we say, you deserve what you get. If you would work harder, you wouldn't be poor. You wouldn't be hungry. You wouldn't be alone. But that is not at all what Jesus is saying. God saved us in spite of our liabilities and in the face of our lack of merit. This is not a call to work. It's a pronouncement of grace. Amen? Number two, the meek understand true submission. So when the Roman centurion said, Jesus, I'm not worthy of you coming into my house, he says this, I know this, Jesus, because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. I think if we're honest, we don't love this word submission very much, do we? But I want to reframe meekness a little bit when we think about submission. Let's look at this definition. Meekness is surrendered and submitted strength. Remember that wild stallion? It didn't lose its strength. Under submission of its trainer and its rider, it has a controlled strength. Now, there's a difference between 
controlled strength and controlled strength under submission of our Lord. You can be an unmeek person and get a little bit more control of yourself, but still be a jerk, not be very meek. But under the submission of Jesus and the ways of Jesus, his teachings, that's the kind of meekness we're after. That's the kind of submission God is asking of us. Um, I have a daughter. She turned three yesterday. And um, she doesn't love submission either. Um, so I want to show you a little video of where she was not submitting to me, her mom. So let's watch this. No, no, it's mine. What's yours? It's my goldfish. It's your goldfish? Yes. It's mine. Will you share? No. No. This child is not submitted. Do you see that? She's in the mine phase. How many of you have kids? You're like, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's all mine. This is not meekness, okay? My daughter's a long ways to go, right? I want to ask you this morning, are you surrendered to Jesus? Are you submitted to him? Are you under his influence? We're talking pretty for today about driving under the influence of Jesus, as the great Carrie Underwood would say, Jesus, take the wheel. When I was... Well, about 15 years ago or so, I moved to Colorado Springs, and I, uh, I went there for a job. I was really excited. I was moving with my best friend. I didn't know anybody. It was a brand new city. I was going to conquer the world. You know, I was like strong and independent and moving away from home for one of the very first times. And so I go there. I get there, and I hate my job. I don't love Colorado Springs. Everything starts going bad. I'm telling you, everything, one after another. I, I, I fell into a deep depression while I was there. I wanted so badly to just get out of there. I was like, why did I move here? Why did all this, why did this just blow up completely? And I kept applying to different jobs all over, but I couldn't find the right job. No jobs would open for me. And so I felt like God was saying to stay in Colorado Springs, not to be miserable. Don't hear me say that. But he was, he was just asking me, Amrita, will you submit and will you surrender to me and my lordship and not you just wanting to get out of here as fast as you can? And I'm so glad that I stayed because I realized in that two years that God would introduce me to one of my very best friends who I would eventually marry in the future. <laughs> now listen, I'm not saying that you can earn your way to a husband, okay? That's not what's happening either. What I'm saying is God has good things for you. You can trust him. The meek are not weak. I want you to read this quote with me. The meek are not weak. The meek are those who possess the strength of faith. The trusting meek believe they have a father in heaven who oversees the affairs of men and who will personally guarantee their portion wow. in the earth. Jesus was meek, but he certainly wasn't weak. Amen. Amen. Last point today. The meek win. The meek win. I want you to hear it. I want you to get it inside of you. Because our world does not say that the meek wins, but the meek win. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. Because I think some of you are like, all right, fine. I don't buy it, Amrita. The meek are, the meek are weak. The meek do not inherit the earth. Let's be real. Can we be honest, Amrita? Well, I'm going to prove it to you. Look at this. The same word meek in this beatitude that Jesus talks about is the same word. I'm going to read this because I want to mess it up. It's, this, it's the same word um, that we see in the Old Testament prophecy by Zechariah when Jesus entered Jerusalem during his triumphant entry. You have to understand that the people were waiting for 
a king to ride in on a war horse surrounded by soldiers like Pilate once did. This is how they thought the Messiah was going to come. But you know what Jesus did? His triumphant entry was on a donkey. A low and humble donkey. And look, Jesus, he rode into Jerusalem at the Passover on a donkey in deliberate act of meekness and as a prophetic rejection of the militaristic means of empire. But you say, Amritha, he died by the end of the week. How is that winning? Well, who did God vindicate in the end? We are no longer under Roman rule, are we? All of that military, all of that power, all of that aggression, all of that control is in history. We now only read about it in history. We're not talking about Caesar anymore, but we are talking about Jesus still. When the meek inherit the earth, Jesus inherits the earth. His rule and his reign lasts from generation to generation to generation. This is what it means for the meek to inherit the earth. The meek win! The meek win. And so this morning, I want us to remember that Christ's kingdom endures. You can trust this. You can trust this. He is not leading us astray. The world is. Our culture is. But Jesus is not. I want to say a prayer over us this morning. Because I know it's hard to be meek in our culture today. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, the Beatitudes is just so different than how we experience the world. But God, I'm so moved by your love and by your grace. For those that are today suffering, who have wondered why they deserve this or they don't deserve this because of all they've done. God, would you come and would you break into that paradigm? Lord, would you change our theology this morning? Lord, thank you for your unmerited grace and love. There's nothing that we can do more to gain your approval and your love and your affection for us. It's already there. And so, Lord, may we walk out of here as a church remembering that the meek win in our jobs as the bosses, as the people in charge, as people who are over teams and over budgets. God, would you give us meekness? Would you help us to walk truly in what it means to be meek, Lord? We love you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.